the more important the gift, the more elaborate is the wrapping. This time of year, a lot of money is being spent not just on gifts, but on wrapping paper and bows and all sorts of things that can be attached to the gift. And it's a wonderful thing. Wrapping a gift for some is a real art. Nobody does it better. And it's a wonderful thing because that really adds to the experience of giving a gift as opposed to settling a transaction. The wrapping is important. And in today's readings, we learn not only about the great gift that God the Father gives us in sending his only begotten Son into our world to save us from the powers of sin and death. We learn not only about the gift, but also about the elaborate way in which God the Father wrapped that gift. He wrapped that gift in centuries of prophecy, including the incredible prophecy that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and that he will be called Emmanuel, God is with us. Since this passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14, is given to us three times in the liturgy of the word, the first reading, the, uh, the alleluia response, and the gospel, let's talk about this passage. First of all, he will be called Emmanuel. And of course, we know that our Lord's name was not Emmanuel, but Jesus, the name given to him by the angel. But the connection between Emmanuel, which means God is with us, and Jesus, which means God saves, it's a profound connection. It's very, very close. You know, there are people who go through this life being called a name that has never appeared on their birth certificate. How many buddies do you know? How many scooters or skeeters do you know? Those names do not appear on the birth certificate, but somehow those names have a way of fitting those gentlemen to a T. In the same way, we rightly call our Savior Jesus, the name that was given by the angel, and we also rightly call him Emmanuel. And indeed, the hymn that we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a hymn that echoes the prayers of the people of the Old Testament, and it also articulates our prayers that the Lord will come in glory and claim everything for himself. So that's the first point. The second point the prophecy given by Isaiah in the 8th century B.C., the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he will be named Emmanuel. That was a prophecy that was beyond anyone's ability to imagine. 
and the people of Israel who read from Isaiah on a very regular basis encountered this prophecy for eight centuries, wondering what on earth does God have in mind? Because this prophecy is incredible. It's mind-blowing. It's amazing. How amazing will it be when this prophecy is fulfilled? And indeed, God makes this bold prophecy through Isaiah to teach us that the gift that he is going to give is a gift greater than anyone could ever imagine. Who could imagine that God would open the heavens and enter into our world? Who could ever imagine that the word would be made flesh and would dwell among us and rescue us from sin and death and lead us through all of the darkness of this life to the brightness of heaven's glory. Our Lord gives this prophecy about a virgin conceiving and bearing a son. He gives us this prophecy to indicate that the gift that we are to receive is a great gift a gift that could only be given by God himself, and that this new way of being born, this virginal conception and birth of our Savior, would be a reminder that we are called into a new way of living, and that he who is born of the Virgin Mary calls us always to newness of life. That's the second point. The third point is that there have been skeptics every step along the way to those who have claimed that Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary. There were skeptics in the early days of the church. Christians were made fun of for believing something that the Romans and the pagans and the Jews thought was so ridiculous. And yet the early church fathers made sure that they fully understood what was being said in the prophecy. From time to time, you will hear people say, you will hear people say that the word virgin actually means young woman. A young woman shall conceive and bear a son. And they say, what's so remarkable about that? That happens all the time. And thanks be to God, it happens all the time. The early fathers traveled to the Holy Land St. Jerome, who translated the Bible from the original language into Latin, lived in Bethlehem. He was very familiar with the Hebrew language, and he inquired among native Hebrew speakers about the meaning of various words. And that word that is the Hebrew word virgin, Alma, indeed, 
can be translated as young woman. But a young woman in an unmarried state and therefore presumably a virgin. Alma, the word in Hebrew for virgin, implies both youth and virginity. And so when we translate then into English, we translate a virgin shall conceive, which is the most accurate, because the church has been very clear in her belief about the virgin, virginal conception and birth of our Savior and the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is, it's the best choice for a word to translate Alma. In second place would be a word that is a bit archaic now. You encounter it when you read late 1800 novels written by Dickens or Jane Austen. The, the second place for the translation of Alma would be the word maiden. That's not a word that we use often today. But maiden in English implies both a young woman who has not been married. It means both youth and virginity. And so do not let the skeptics get you off course. Do not let the skeptics who say, well, you know, that word just means young woman, and there's nothing really special about that. You can say that that word is a word that implies both youth, a young woman, and virginity, and that this was the intent of the Holy Spirit, inspiring Isaiah to prophesy, and it has been the intent of the Holy Spirit as the church has interpreted and applied the sacred scriptures without a doubt that our Lord indeed is born of the Virgin Mary, a miraculous conception and birth, a miraculous event, that the coming of God into our world is a miracle far greater than anything we could have ever hoped for. And this is the miracle that we celebrate this week on Christmas. The more important the gift, the more elaborate the wrapping. Our Lord gives to you his only begotten Son. The Lord gives to you the great gift of a Savior. All of our Christmases leave us with the same message, that the best gifts are not things, but relationships. The best gifts are not the mountain of presence under the tree, but a family gathered in love. God gives you love incarnate. God gives you himself. 
to lead you through the difficulties, the twists and turns of life. God gives you this great gift. Do not neglect to unwrap it. Do not neglect to unwrap it and make the gift your own. Unwrap this great gift through the virtue of faith. Receive with joy and gratitude all that the Lord gives to you in bringing you into relationship with him through his Son so that you might have life and have it to the full.